I'm going to share a few things, just some, some facts about, you know, just because of what happened this past week and all of the emotions. And, but I, I, I want to remind you of some other things that have happened and why. You know, why are we seeing the things that we're seeing? And when you go back and look at when did, let's just say, the, these shootings at schools, when did they start? When did it become a major problem in this country? Uh, and then I'm going to go back just a little bit before that. Now, you, most of you will remember Columbine. And that's where the actual shooting just became something that we realized as a country we had to deal with. And lots of changes happened because of that. And that was back in 1999, the year that my oldest child was born. And that was uh, April 20th of 1999. If you remember that story, what the plan was for those two students, it was an, I think it was an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old, obviously very troubled, had built bombs. They built homemade bombs, propane bombs, took them into the school and set them up and went outside the school and they were set to detonate at a certain time and they didn't. Who knows how many people would have died in those schools if those two bombs would have went off. When the, when the bombs didn't go off, these boys went into the school and started shooting people. Twelve students died, and a teacher died, and that just really set off a whole bunch of changes in how we uh, set up our schools, You'll notice at most schools around here, you walk through a door. You cannot get past the second door until you have been identified and checked out. You may have to have a picture taken of you and a badge made and all that. All that started happening. Those things started happening back then. But there was another incident that happened before that, which would now be 27 years ago. You know, this past week, 19 children died. Well, in the incident that I'm getting ready to tell you about, 19 children died. <clears throat> but that was just the children. There was 168 people who died. You know what I'm talking about? Happened in 1995, also in April. April 19th. Columbine happened April 20th, 1999, but what I'm talking about happened April 19th of 1995. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Oklahoma City bombing. I remember it very, very well. 168 people died. Hundreds more were injured that are probably still living with those injuries today. There were no guns used whatsoever. It was a homemade bomb inside of a moving truck that was parked outside of a federal building. 19 children died. I could, you, you remember on the news, the firemen carrying the little toddler out. 
that, that looked like it, it had died. I can remember right about the same time that the Oklahoma City bombing happened, it was somewhere in that time period. I can't remember if it was right before that, but I know it was really close. I remember hearing about a lady, I think it was in Carolina somewhere, North Carolina, South Carolina, that strapped her kids in their car seats and rolled their car down into the water of a lake. And those kids being strapped in went into the water and drowned. Later, we find out that this woman was in love with some guy who didn't want any kids, and she thought that was the only way she could have him. And I remember that so well, and that was 27 years ago at least. And I still remember that so well. Just the other day, there was a woman in Minnesota who killed her six-year-old boy, and his body was in the trunk. And the cops pulled her over because of a flat tire and different things were going on. Somebody called and the cops pulled her over, saw blood in the car, and they investigated more and found this six-year-old boy dead in the back. A mother who was in a custody battle with the boy's father. The boy had been in foster care for a little over a year and had just gotten away from foster care and was given back to his mother. <clears throat> We have the massacre at Virginia Tech that's so close to here. That happened in 2007. 32 people killed. There's another thing that's happening on a daily basis. You heard of fentanyl? Fentanyl. Like, what is that? You've heard a lot about it over the past few years. It's a synthetic opioid which means that man made it. It is 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. And it has been coming, it's, it's mainly manufactured by drug dealers in Mexico, and it's been pouring into the United States over the last couple years. <clears throat> Overdose from fentanyl has become the number one cause of death among adults between ages 18 and 45. Overall, drug overdoses topped 100,000 in 2021. They're predicting that 2022 will be even worse. Why is it that anybody would die from a drug overdose. This is an illegal drug. Actually, actually, to be technical about it, the synthetic opioid fentanyl is not actually considered because there's been no law made about it because it's new. Now, it's illegal to you know, distribute drugs but we ha there, there is a, a, a legislation that has gone before Congress that's called the HALT, or Stop Fentanyl Act. Our very own representative, Morgan Griffith, is a co-sponsor of it. And it's to actually make the selling of this product illegal. It's illegal, but, you know, it's not technically. So a really good lawyer could actually get somebody out of it because it's not on the books as a law. 
Now, we know that you can pass as many laws as you want on anything, and people who break law don't care about your laws, right? How about enforcing the laws that we have? We have turned into a country that, well, that's not that bad, so let them go. That, that, why, why spend so much time and effort on that petty thing when there's much bigger things that we need to focus on? And to the human mind, that might sound like a good idea for a minute. But then you realize that when you do not hold people accountable for the little things, it turns into the big things. If you do not trade up a child in the way they should go, and they never suffer the consequences for the bad things they do, it will become worse and worse and worse. We are living that right now. We live in a country that has taken God's Word and thrown it away. And anything goes. We have no absolute truth because it's been tossed. And whatever you think is right, is right. And you have seen where it has led us. Back in the 60s, prayer, Bible reading, all things associated with the Christian religion was pushed out of schools. Now, it takes a while for those things to start to manifest and turn into what we're dealing with today. But we've seen it ever since then, what has happened. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. <clears throat> right, the, the next decade, killing babies in the mother's womb became legal in this country, which destroyed the sanctity of life. No one growing up in this country who lives in a nation that says that it's okay to kill little babies in their mother's womb, have any respect for life whatsoever. They just, they've lost it. We've had all kinds of violent movies that have been produced. The very people who cry out and hate guns, just throwing them in the movies and shoot up everything. The very people who claim to hate guns and things of violence, they just throw it in their movies for everybody to see. The video games that have been produced over the past couple decades, I know there's a one little boy that survived that shooting this past week, and his favorite video games were Fortnite and some war game. And uh, they said he, he will not play them anymore. You know, you can't blame things on video games entirely. There are thousands of boys who could play video games and they'll never do anything to hurt anybody. But then there's that one. There's that one that it will mess them up and they will, they will fantasize about things. And you know, I grew up playing cowboys and Indians in war when I was a little boy. We had gun, toy guns and we went out and we shot people up, you know? It's like, no, I got you, I got you. No, you didn't, no, you didn't. You know, we played war. 
but we never, ever thought about actually shooting somebody. Never. Only if we were invaded by some evil country, then we would be ready because we trained our whole childhood for it. Right? You know, we, we, were, just, we were just being boys. But now, all of that stuff has been taken away. Oh, it's bad to play with toy guns. But yet, boys go into schools and shoot everybody. What has changed? The more they've tried to fix it, it seems like it's gotten worse. But I've already given you some examples of why it has gotten worse. Broken families. You look at every case of someone who goes off the deep end and does something absolutely horrible, and you find out it's a broken family. Fathers may not have even been known at all, ever. It's almost always from broken families. And we have been taught that the family's not important. There's really no need for a father or a mother. One's fine, none's fine. I, I know so many people, so many young people that are being raised by their grandparents. There's a big problem with that. Where are the parents? Where are they at? Church that we went to before we started coming here, there was, there was a decent amount of kids there when you count the ones that came on Wednesdays for the children's uh, mess, you know, the children's, uh, the Bible study time. There was a lady who went to that church who was kind of like, uh, like, like an associate type pastor. She was a, a Bible college professor. And she made it known one day, she said, you know what, I've, I've watched all, because there was a lot of troubled kids that, that w would come to that church. Um, she said, I've noticed, this has been, been a while, what, 15 years or so? Uh, she said, of all the kids, and I'm just thinking of different, different kids that came there, and I could say some names, Michelle would recognize them probably, but multiple kids, some would come every now and then. She counted all of them. She counted the ones that came every now and then count the ones that came there quite often and she said there is there's no kids at this church that has a normal family where a mother and a father are married and living their life raising their kids the only family at that church was our family my family we were the only ones and she brought that up never I never really thought about it but out of all of the people who came to that church, there was only one intact family out of all of them. God designed the family. He designed marriage between a man and a woman that has been attacked big time. A man and a woman should stay pure until they're married and bringing kids into the world that are wanted used to be that you read through the Bible, you see where women were crushed when they were barren and couldn't bring forth children. Now, it's like they're not even wanted. Like, no one wants to have kids, and then the few that do may, not, may have trouble having kids, and 
you know, it's sad. So we have got to turn to the Word of God. We have got to figure out what the real fixes are. You know, bombs are illegal, right? Bombs are illegal. You, what more laws can you pass? And again, if you pass a law, people who want to kill, they don't care what the laws are. Drugs, all these illegal drugs. They say that there, there has been enough fentanyl, was like 11,000 pounds of fentanyl, has been confiscated at our border over the past couple years, or maybe one year. They say that that amount of fentanyl could kill every American almost seven times over. That's how much has been confiscated. But what leaks through actually gets into society and people unknowingly may be taking it. Because the drug dealers are taking fentanyl and, and, and because it's so powerful, they can smuggle it in a lot easier than other drugs and then they lace other things with it so that the, the stuff that really doesn't affect people as much anymore has a pop to it. It really does something. Now, I don't care how much is brought in around me Bring it in, you know, you bring it in and say, and lay it all out. There it is. It's free for you to have. I have no interest whatsoever. It blows my mind how anybody would ever go there. So I can't figure that out. It's always blowing my mind. It's like, how does a person get to that point? to where they want to try these illegal drugs, knowing, I, I met so many of them at the jail, so these young guys that would come to the jail and sit in my Bible study, and, and the one, I, his name was Brian, he said, he said, I am so glad I'm locked up, because I just found out today my buddy overdosed and he's dead. And I know I would have been right there with him doing the same thing. I probably would have been dead too. And they, they would be in there. These are guys in their, in their uh, 19, 20, 21, 22, that age group, and they were talking about how many of their friends have died from drug overdose. And then they would be in jail for a period of time, and they'd get out, and then they would go and get back into it. It's like, how in the world could you possibly do that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. So if you are a born-again child of God, you don't do things. You don't hurt people. Right? You just don't do these things. It doesn't matter how much stuff is there for you to get into. You don't want to do it. You don't drive too fast on the road because you're concerned about other people's safety. You think of others more. Even you think, of, you think of, we all think a lot of ourselves. We want to protect ourselves, right? We do all think a lot of ourselves, but we are to treat others as we treat ourselves. If you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and all your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, everything's going to be great. It's that simple. 
So we, we must be like the little girl that I preached about last week. My, my, the main message last week was on Naaman and how Naaman had a disease and that disease of leprosy is a type and picture of the sin that we all have that needs to be cured. Because if the sin is accounted to you and you live a life with that sin disease, it's going to carry you into a grave and you will go to hell forever. Okay? You need someone that can cure you of that sin. Remember, Naaman was a very outstanding person in this world. We have people who are very outstanding that don't see the need for the Savior because they don't see the sin in their life. They think they're better than everybody else, and they might be. You might be the best person on this earth earth when you measure yourself to everybody else. You might be, but you are millions and millions of miles away from reaching heaven. The best person in this world is totally lost without Jesus. The ladder that Jacob saw in his dream was Jesus, and He's the only way for us to get from here to heaven. Jesus is the only way. And we must humble ourselves to the point where we realize that, and we have no trust whatsoever in what we can do to deserve heaven, and we must look to Jesus and what He did for us. Now... I got nine minutes for the sermon because I have not started the sermon yet. The sermon, I wanted to finish up what I read last week, uh, that chapter. because We were supposed to do all of chapter 5. We got to 16, and we ran out of time. Now, listen carefully. You know all about this little maid who had the courage to speak out and to direct the people to who could heal them. We need to be like the little maid, and we are to be bold enough to point people to Jesus. So we starting with 17. This is uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 17. Notice that Naaman has already offered something for the healing that he got. Naaman has offered something. He came with what I said last week was all his self-righteousness. It was the silver and the gold, the raiments, all of the changes of clothing. And he offered it for the healing. And Elisha said, no, all of that's got to be free. And Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods little g little g gods but unto the lord now naaman 
wanted to take two mules and, and to load them with dirt. And he wants to take dirt from Israel back to Syria so that he can spread that dirt out and, and worship God. He's not going to do any of this uh, worship of idols anymore. He doesn't, his heart's changed. He, 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 went, he followed the words of Elisha and he went down into the Jordan and he dipped seven times and now he's, he's perfectly healed and he, he wants to take earth back to his homeland. Isn't that interesting? The nation of Israel is all about the land. It's all about the nation of Israel being promised the land. And he wanted to worship on holy ground, and he had to go to Israel to find holy ground. And he, he was so impressed by what happened to him there that he wanted to take some of that holy ground back with him to his land. Jesus has made a way. He has so perfectly done everything that needs to be done. We don't have to go to Israel and bring dirt back here and put some Israel dirt out on our lawn. We don't have to do that anymore. And he, he even talks about how he's going back to where he, he's got to go. And he says in 18, In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimon, to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimon. When I bow down myself in the house of Rimon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. So they, his master is going to be worshiping this false god, and he, because of his, his position in Syria, he's going to be expected to go back to the house of Rimon, and he's telling Elisha all about this, and he said, look, when I go back, they're going to expect me to do certain things, but my heart is not going to be in it at all because I'm taking all this earth back. I'm going to worship the one true God. And he's saying, look, this might happen, and I just want you to know about it, and I pray that God would pardon me of this. And Elisha doesn't say anything about it, really. A little strange. Kind of interesting. He doesn't say anything. And he's just told him to go in peace. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. But Jehazi, I used to call him Jehazi, kind of like Jehazi, but I think it's Jehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought but as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So Jehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets, Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of, of garments. This Je Jehazi, he just flat out lied. He saw all of what Naaman had brought, and he wanted it. He 
coveted the gold and silver. He, he wanted, so he, he went out and he asked for, he made up a story saying that the man of God said, on the other hand, <coughs> on the other hand, we got a couple young prophets that have come from Ephraim, and we uh, would like to have a little bit of what you brought. It was a flat-out lie. We have got to be extremely careful about misrepresenting our Lord and Savior. When He says it is free, it is free. We cannot mix anything else in to where we can say, I did this or I did that to deserve the salvation that He gave me. You understand that? The love of money is the root of all evil. Jehazi went after the money. And he said, all is well. My master has sent. So he's already read that. So he, Naaman, and Naaman said, be content. Take two talents. So he's given him even more than he asked for. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants. And they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou? Jehazi, he said, he said Jehazi, where you been? And he said, Thou servant went no whither. I, didn't, I wasn't anywhere. Wow. You remember uh, in Acts where uh, Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira they pretended like they gave all the money and they dropped dead right here in the church. They just they walked into the synagogue. They, one of them fell out dead. The other one came in, had a chance to get it right, and they fell out dead. Well, <clears throat> how did the apostles know? How did they know what had done, had, they had done? How did Elisha know that Jehazi had done this? You know, I, I could possibly preach something that it might be exactly addressing something that you may be doing wrong, one of, one of you. Or somebody that's listening to the podcast, I might be addressing something, preaching about something, and it is exact, it, it is like boom, right at you. And I have no clue. I don't know. But God uses people like he used this little maid to say just the right words. You've heard people say, I, I think that preacher was preaching right at me. He maybe, maybe he was. And had no idea why. You know, he, the preacher don't know any better. He's just preaching. So Jehazi said, I haven't been anywhere, flat out lying. And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? So it wasn't the time to take the money. You know what? Money's fine. We all have to have money. We have to have money to operate this church. We, we, everybody needs money. And my family has an entrepreneur spirit. You know, we've tried businesses. We've, 
we've done things. We, we, we've tried. Uh, even our kids, they'll come up with ways. I can remember buying stuff in bulk, and we would sell it individually, like show the kids how you sell it individually for a little more and make a little money on it. They're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, and then Anna, she would think of, Mom, if I clean this, this, and this, can I make a certain amount of money? Joseph, when he was little, he had a bright idea. It's like, Mom, if I'm good all day, will you pay me? And she said, Honey, pay you to be good? Why can't you be good for nothing like your daddy? <laughs> so it's not bad to want money so you can give to the poor and needy, so you can uh, live a life. We all need money. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you get to the point where you love money, that is the root of all evil. Jehazi loved the money. He saw it leaving. He saw the person that was so willing to give it. So when you lie to the man of God, Elisha knew in his spirit that Jehazi had done this, and he said, The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. The very curse that was lifted from Naaman has now been put on Jehazi for the rest of his day. We need to have a healthy fear of God. We need to turn back to God. We need to stand up for Him because He does not force Himself on anybody or any nation. It grieves his heart that we are quickly turning from him. He's willing to take us back. But we, as people of God, we need to turn to him. We need to call out to him, like, like what you, you read today from over here. You know, a nation that realizes that they have gone the wrong way and they turn from their wicked ways, God will start to hear your prayers again. We need to be that way. Each one of us needs to have a confidence in the Word of God, what God has said, like that little maid. No matter where we go, no matter how persecuted we become, that we still have enough courage, not because we're strong, but Jesus is strong. I'll save the rest of the sermon for two weeks from now. I got a whole lot more that goes along with this, and it's, a, it's another issue. So it's, it's good that I can do this in a couple weeks. Now, I'll be praying. Um, David Burroughs will be here next week if everything goes as planned. David's planning to come up. He's going to preach a message next week. Be praying for him that he brings you what God has called him to do. That he will have confidence this week as he prepares 
and that he will come and deliver a word that this church needs to hear. Okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for always being there for us. And Father, I pray that we would be there for you. Father, you have done so much for us. And Father, as humble servants, we are willing to do what you've called us to do. Father, we thank you for the the totally free gift of salvation. But Father, what we do with that salvation, we need your guidance, the Holy Spirit that will guide us and do what we're supposed to do. Father, I pray that we will go out and, and do because that is who we are now. We are people who want to serve you. Father, give us the strength in this hurting world to say the right words, to introduce people to our Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.